0: We do not recognize their colonial borders. My nation's relationship to the land and our relatives are older and stronger than their colonial borders. We will outlast their bands and borders, because we always have. We will outlast their colonial tactics, because we have to. There can never be a ban on stolen land. Indigenous people open up our arms and our motherlands to our relatives from other nations. She is their mother, too. There can never be a ban on stolen land No justice on stolen land We open up our arms to our relatives She is
1: their mother too She is their mother too We are calling for an end to bands and walls we want to open our hearts and borders. We celebrate the living stories of perseverance. The great human struggle to survive. We are a country of refugees, of freedom fighters. No one is illegal. We have been in this clash. Hell, black folks are refugees from our American tyranny, as are the first people of this land. Indigenous communities who have survived genocide and the banning of ritual stories carried across time. We scream with hearts open to burst the barriers of propaganda. We crash through rhetoric and thunder with drums of resistance. We watch our children dance defiantly. The struggle continues. It is multi-layered and complex, and yet it is simple. We recall the 1951 UN Refugee Convention. No one can be banned based on their nation, their religion. We call on the laws of our land. We call on the highest spirit of our people. We call out this administration for what it is: racist, white supremacist, wicked, greedy gangsters in suits without concern for justice. For humanity, for the breath of family, for the very water we need to survive. Water is life for the pulse of what connects us all so we take to the streets we shut down terminal 4 we are waiting for those who have been detained we are here to let them know we are with you our chance are a bomb as children grandmothers scholars emerge from being detained dehumanized we shout we scream we say let them in we demand that compassion is showed for those fleeing war No father should have to abandon his 12-year-old daughter the brother who works at my local deli telling me his wife cannot join him. This has never been about security or safety. It is about the preservation of the elite. It is the insecurity and madness of capitalism. I'm in the streets chanting, no band, no wall. I'm surrounded by Muslims, Jews, atheists, students, elders, families, children. We are New Yorkers and we are fed up. We are celebrating. We are resisting. We are accumulating, congregating, amplifying our hearts, we are bursting into the streets. We are sounding off. We are sounding off. Open up our borders right now. Let them in. Let them in.
2: Open up our borders right now. Let them in. Let them in. Open up our borders right now. Let them Open Let them in. Let them in. Open up our borders talk to you but can you hear me? No one is illegal. I feel like you've been bought by lies untrue. It ain't gonna be no one. You wanna put the wall and the fans up? No one is illegal. And keep people out. What if that was you? It ain't gonna be no one. What if you could not hold your child now? No one is illegal. Not your wife or family. Illegal be no one. There are people on the run for their life. No one is illegal.
1: And been from
2: family and safety. Illegal be no one. Okay,
3: welcome aboard to the Counter Vortex with me, Bill Weinberg, opening up with uh, <clears throat> a cut called Let Them In by a group called Soul Inscribed featuring Baba Israel who you uh, just heard rapping and immediately before him with uh, their special collaboration with Frank Waun uh, indigenous, an indigenous Lakota rapper um, and a very timely song obviously with the country as I will um, be making the case in this podcast heading towards a constitutional crisis over the whole question of immigration and securing the border. And of course this particular song and particularly Frank Wild's contribution to it is making the point that, um, you know, the border was just sort of an arbitrarily imposed um, line drawn across the continent, contrary to the wishes of the indigenous peoples of the continent. And, basically by colonizing powers. Uh, And, you know, it should be noted that many of, perhaps even a majority, of the migrants trying to enter the country now, overwhelmingly from Central America, are indigenous peoples themselves. There was just a very interesting article on Public Radio International this week, entitled, The Government Says Border Patrol Agents in the Southwest Speak Spanish, but many migrants speak indigenous languages. And it particularly uh, cited the case of a family from Guatemala that speaks Canjobal, one of the indigenous Maya tongues of Guatemala, as um, their native language. And Spanish is their second language, which they don't have great utility in. So... um. People are essentially, indigenous people are being forced from the land in Central America by, uh, you know, by social forces and economic forces, and even sometimes by direct military force beyond their control. And that is what is driving them towards our border, where unfortunately they are now meeting with yet more repression a little bit of historical context here, if I may. We really have to go back to um, the 1980s, where we spoke um, on a previous broadcasts about Nicaragua and the whole struggle in Central America back in the 1980s, when rising revolutionary movements on the Central American Isthmus in Nicaragua and um, in particularly in Guatemala and then El Salvador. The uh, two countries where now there's many migrants coming from and the two countries significantly where, unlike in Nicaragua, the revolutionary movements were beaten back. They did not take power. They were put down through the most extreme bloody repression, which in the case of Guatemala, in, at least um, clearly rose to the level of genocide over the course of um, of the 1980s. Something like uh, probably 200,000 people were, t- were killed both in, uh, in Guatemala and El Salvador um, during this period. In El Salvador, the regime was being massively backed up with military aid from the United States while this horrific bloodshed was going on. Uh, in Guatemala, the uh, Carter administration actually cut off military aid to the regime in response to human rights concerns but the uh, Reagan administration moved to restore it and meanwhile Israel sort of serving as a US proxy took up the slack and provided military military aid to the uh, Guatemalan dictatorship when it was really carrying out genocide against the Maya peoples so that was really when this whole process began as a um, a bitter fruit, one might say, of the revolutionary movements being beaten back in Central America in the 1980s. In the 1990s, on the heels of uh, the North American Free Trade Agreement being instated in Mexico, uh, the next step after that by the um, great hemispheric planners was the Central American Free Trade Agreement, CAFTA, which um, extended the whole regime of free trade. Into the Central American Isthmus, and uh, then just as in Mexico, you saw the whole um, phenomenon of agribusiness um, expanding and uh, imports from North America flooding in without restrictive tariffs, and the peasantry being evicted from their lands or being forced from their lands by economic forces, and a uh, you know a further consolidation of um of of lands in the hands of of agribusiness and the elites and the further expropriation of the peasantry from their lands which of course was the issue that the um that, that that the wars of the 1980s had really been about in the first place so after the revolutionary movements had essentially been beaten back in um in central america in the 1980s then in the 1990s and the early 2000s we saw you know a sort of um Further consolidation of that victory by the forces of reaction, by the forces of international capital and the landed oligarchies in these countries, um, conquering yet more territory from the peasantry. And then the, um, the third factor or the third wave in this process of displacement of the Central American peasantry, many of them indigenous peoples, Um, has been, you know, the uh, explosion of the narco economy, where, again, just as in Mexico following NAFTA, in Central America following CAFTA with the um, traditional peasant economy and what was left of uh, traditional campesino self-sufficiency, people growing corn and beans to feed themselves and for the domestic market and being able to make something of a dignified living that way, with that having been um, gutted, by free trade economics and the, the peasantry sort of disenfranchised of its, of its traditional niche in the economy, the narco economy came along to fill the economic vacuum, as it were. Um, and many people who had been uh, you know, displaced from their traditional place in the economy uh, found uh, no recourse other than to either flee their homes and head north or... To join the narco economy, and the narco gangs sort of began to colonize the Isthmus of Central America, and this, of course, uh, inevitably sets off a whole wave of attendant violence, with the uh, various narco factions contending for control of the drug trade and um, and 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 certain wooing. Uh, Local gangs as their enforcers to keep the peasants intimidated and to keep them under the control of um, of these of these crime networks, which were becoming the de facto government in large areas of Central America. And uh, once again, finally, there was a third wave of displacement, where um, just as people had been facing the, uh, in the 1980s, people had been facing the actual repression, the violent repression, uh, you know, wrought by um, by military forces. Um, then in the 1990s and into the 2000s, the peasantry was once again facing the violent repression of, you know, ostensibly outlaw narco gangs and, and paramilitaries, which were um, often, in fact, in connivance with the with the corrupt elites. So, you know, this is sort of the the social process which we've seen over the past two generations now which has resulted in this wave of displacement and has sent, you know, um, large sections of the Central American peasantry heading north to the borders of the United States. And you know, you have to take it for granted When even if you, you know, don't have a sophisticated understanding of what the social process has been in Central America over the past couple of generations, which has essentially expropriated the peasantry from their lands and subject them repeatedly to terror, whether, you know, the official state terror that we saw in the 1980s or today, the more sort of, you know, unofficial terror of the narco gangs, Even if you don't, you know, even if you haven't been following all that, you should just intuitively understand that when people flee their homes with their young children to make a perilous journey over land, which is, you know, controlled by uh, by 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 criminal networks, place themselves in the hands of human traffickers willingly in order to uh, finally reach borders where they understand that um, they're going to be uh, facing yet the further risk of being apprehended, having their family separated, etc. People do not undertake this kind of thing lightly. If people are doing this, it is because the conditions in their own homes in Honduras, in El Salvador, in Guatemala, have become untenable, and they simply cannot live there. They are being forced from their lands. It is not a matter of choice That should be obvious. So on June 20th, President Donald Trump issued his executive order, ostensibly calling a halt to the policy of separating children from their parents uh, when families of migrants are intercepted on the southern border. And uh, the first thing should be noted is that this executive order was a response To popular outrage at his policy And, as seems likely Even to the threat of ungovernability On the same day of his order um, ICE, Immigration Customs and Enforcement Was forced to shut down its office in Portland, Oregon After protesters blocked the entrance That same week here in New York City Protesters jammed a terminal at LaGuardia Airport As several planes carrying detained migrant kids from Texas We're touching down. American Airlines later issued a statement accusing ICE of deceiving them. Say that airline officials were told that the uh, kids were being taken to be reunited with their parents when, in fact, they were headed for detention facilities in the metro area while their parents were hundreds of miles away, or perhaps as many as a thousand miles away in detainment facilities down near the border. The airline said that it would stop cooperating. In the program. All right. So that's the first thing we have to recognize is that the um, the executive order in some ways represented a victory. It meant that the administration was, in fact, responding to public protest. And again, the actual threat of ungovernability and, uh, and and people simply refusing to cooperate like American Airlines, refusing to cooperate with their policy. But unfortunately, the second thing we have to understand about the order is that uh, in terms of what it actually does, it's not really a victory. In fact, it's very sinister and it is laying the groundwork for the indefinite detention of migrants. So uh, Trump's executive order, officially calling for an end to the Separating of Migrant Families on the Border actually contains provisions that lay the groundwork for the indefinite detention of intercepted migrants. Entitled, Temporary Detention Policy for Families Entering This Country Illegally, quote-unquote, it instructs the Secretary of Defense to provide, quote, any existing facilities available for the housing and care of alien families, unquote, to the Department of Homeland Security. A clear reference to placing detained migrants in military bases. It also charges the Defense Department with responsibility to construct such facilities if necessary, quote, unquote. Ostensibly, the migrants are only to be detained, quote, pending court proceedings for improper entry, unquote, but no actual time frame for maximum period for a maximum period is given. In fact, the crux of the order actually calls for removing limits on the period that children can be detained. The text instructs the Attorney General to quote: promptly file a request with the U.S. District Court for the Central District of California to modify the settlement agreement in Flores versus Sessions, the Flores settlement in a matter that would permit the Homeland Security Secretary to detain alien families together throughout the pendency of criminal proceedings or any removal or other immigration proceedings. Now, um, the Flores settlement refers to a 1997 consent decree overseen by Judge Dali M. Gee of Federal District Court in Los Angeles, which bars Immigration authorities from keeping children in detention, with or without their parents, for more than twenty days. The Flores case was first brought way back in nineteen eighty-five, and at the uh, time of the uh, the consent decree was um, designated Flores versus Reno for then Attorney General Janet Reno. So um, the cost of not separating families seems to be the indefinite detention of these families. And Judge Guy, an Obama appointee, is herself a daughter of Chinese immigrants. So a a showdown between the White House and the judiciary appears imminent. Okay, now now it's been, um, it's been what? It's been uh, two weeks since this order was issued. And uh, we need to watch very closely what is going to happen in Judge Dolly Guy's courtroom and whether, in fact, uh, the Trump administration is going to get what, what it wants. Uh, we have to watch this very, very closely. This, uh, this was initially reported, this uh, executive order was initially reported as a victory, but in reality, you read the small print, you crunch the details, and it's extremely sinister. The National Immigration Law Center states, quote, Trump executive order makes border crisis worse, adding this order will likely have the effect of jailing for months or even years immigrant families seeking safety in the U.S. Since then, a judge in, another judge in California has issued an order calling on the, um, the Trump administration within a particular time frame to reunite the families which have thus far been divided. And already it appears that the Trump administration has either intentionally or unintentionally lost track of the people that they've detained and they're petitioning the judge for more time, practically acknowledging that they've lost track of the detainees. And they say they're going to need more time to find the children that have been separated from their families and more sinister yet. Uh, apparently um, ice is planning on forcibly extracting DNA from the ch- DNA samples from the detainees, ostensibly for the purpose of identifying children and their parents. But the mere fact that they're having to resort to this is an indication that the system has broken down and that they have lost track of the people that they've detained. And people have just sort of been absconded into this Kafkaesque nightmare. Even even the bureaucracy is not keeping track of them. But now, you know, once they've actually got uh, DNA samples, uh, we can rest assured that, you know, they're going to be used for sinister purposes and tracking people through the system in, uh, in, in the event of, you know, more long-term detention, which, as the National Immigration Center notes, could last for months or even years. So... um we're seeing the uh, beginnings of something extremely fascistic coming into place in this country right now. And this very, very much demands our urgent attention. The next interesting development, very frightening development, is just um, six days after Trump's executive order, that is to say on June 26th, the Supreme Court ruled five to four in Trump versus Hawaii that um, President Trump's proclamation restricting entry from particular Muslim-majority countries, that is to say the so-called Muslim ban or travel ban, was, quote, squarely within the scope of presidential authorities under the Immigration and Nationality Act. Now, um, I should point out that a lot of the reporting around this has also been a little bit sloppy, and uh, it should be noted that, in fact, contrary to the widespread reportage, the uh, Supreme Court did not actually uphold the travel ban. They refused to grant an injunction against the travel ban, saying that uh, you know they believed that the travel ban was in the scope of presidential authorities and that the litigants challenging it were probably going to lose and didn't have a case so no you don't get your injunction so the travel ban remains in place but they did not actually rule on the constitutionality of the travel ban they remanded it back to the uh, federal appeals court in san francisco the ninth circuit for further um, proceedings so um, this is still a very very bad decision frightening decision but in fact That struggle is not yet over. The travel ban has not actually been upheld. They refused to grant an injunction, but they did not technically uphold the travel ban. That is still before the Ninth Circuit and may wind up yet again before the Supreme Court when the question of its actual constitutionality comes up. So, um, and this brings us to um, the future shape of the Supreme Court, as we're uh, just aware, immediately after. This decision, Justice Anthony Kennedy announced that he's going to be stepping down from the court. Extremely terrifying. Now, it should be noted that Kennedy is kind of a mixed bag. And in fact, he did um, side with the majority in um, Trump versus Hawaii. That is to say, on the wrong side. Uh, But he has been, uh, like I say, he's a mixed bag. And, you know, he sometimes uh, ruled the right way, um, although many times ruled the wrong way um, in his own decisions on the court, um, kind of a conservative with a libertarian streak, but, uh, he is now stands to be replaced by just, you know, a flayed out, a flat out conservative without any libertarian streak. And, uh, the, uh, if Trump gets away with, um, appointing his replacement, then the Supreme court is going to be utterly dominated by flat out reactionaries. For the rest of my life, certainly, <clears throat> uh and uh you know, we can forget about any hope that the um that the travel ban, for instance, is going to be shot down as unconstitutional, and we can probably kiss Roe versus Wade goodbye, and most of our civil liberties goodbye. Now, this is where things get very interesting because um some people in Congress, like I just heard uh Senator Cory Booker from New Jersey. Saying this the other day, and um, our uh, newly elected out in uh, Queens and Brooklyn, um, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, actually, she just uh, was elected in the primary. She's almost certainly going to be going to Congress, although she still has to get past the, the actual election in November. Um, also saying the same thing, calling for uh, the Senate's uh, confirmation of Trump's appointment to the Supreme Court to be put off as long as Trump is still under investigation for electoral irregularities by the special counsel. And the thing is (laughs) that this is completely unprecedented in American history. The framers did not anticipate this kind of thing. There are no instructions in the constitution as to what you do in a case like this. So we are headed for a constitutional crisis in this country It is imminent. It is just down the road, weeks or months away. We are headed for a flat-out constitutional crisis and the potential for things to get very, very polarized, very, very rapidly. And uh, I hate to quote the (laughs) cliché about um, the Chinese character for um, crisis being made up of the characters for danger or an opportunity, but, uh, obviously the situation is ripe for both the danger of things really, really escalating. And, you know, I mean, I said, you can go back and look at the vlogs that I did back after Trump was elected. I predicted at the time or made my, you know, voiced my foreboding. I try to avoid making predictions, but at least voiced my foreboding at the time that, uh, you know, Trump's election could actually lead to civil war. So that's the danger the opportunity, of course, is that we can actually resist the consolidation of fascism. And I don't believe that this is the time to back down. I think that would be absolutely suicidal and that we must stick to our guns, to the ultimate consequences. And um, rather than, uh, you know, compromising and accepting some kind of, you know, fascistic, really fascistic order being consolidated in this country as the price of social peace. (sighs) Gambling on the uh, intelligence, goodwill, and progressive instincts, perhaps in spite of all the evidence of a um, majority of the inhabitants of this country as our safeguard against going over the edge into civil war. Because one thing we have to be very, very clear on right now, at this moment, immigrants are the proverbial canaries in the American coal mine. The Trump crew are testing their methods on them because they are vulnerable. And they are banking on the likelihood that non-immigrants will say, Not my problem, but if they get away with this, what they are doing now to this vulnerable, isolated population of non-citizens, it sets a precedent, and ultimately, nobody is safe. Which inevitably brings to mind the famous quote from Pastor Martin Nymoler after World War II, looking back at the Nazi experience during which he himself was interned at Dachau concentration camp from 1938 until liberation in 1945. And of course, as we all have heard, he wrote, first they came for the socialists and I did not speak out because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists and I did not speak out because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out because I was not a Jew. Then they came for me, and no one was left to speak for me. Well, we are precisely at the moment where now they're coming for the immigrants. Even immigrants who are here legally and have been naturalized, even immigrants who are serving in the armed forces, on the understanding that this would be a path to naturalization. Even they are now coming under the scrutiny of ICE and the bureaucracy is taking measures to prepare to expel them. This is the turning point where some kind of actually fascistic order can be consolidated in this country. This is the moment on this ladder of escalation that Martin May outlined This is the moment where first they are coming for the immigrants. And I know that particularly in this atmosphere, speaking out and protesting is scary. And there's all sorts of distractions out there to make you feel that it's not your problem and you can just go ahead with your life and pay no attention. But you don't want to end up in a situation where you're going to regret it just a few short years or even months down the line. This is the turning point, folks. We have to think and talk and meet and act and organize now and figure out how we are going to oppose this. So... Um, Be in touch and let me know what you think and how we respond to this extremely frightening situation, because um, if you think that um, complacency is an option at this point, well, I disagree with you right there, (laughs) strenuously. In terms of what we're going to do about it, I don't know. It's a tough question, and I'm just here to raise questions, not to answer them. So please be in touch. You can reach us through our website, countervortex.org. This has been The Counter Vortex with your ranter, Bill Weinberg. Please uh, check us out again in two weeks when we'll be ranting at you again. We do this uh, podcast every two weeks. Check us out online uh, on our website, updated daily, countervortex.org. Join The Counter Vortex, join the resistance, and rant on you next time. We do not recognize their colonial borders. My nation's relationship to the land and
0: our relatives are older and stronger than their colonial borders. We will outlast their bans and borders, because we always have. We will outlast their colonial tactics, because we have to. There can never be a ban on stolen land. Indigenous people open up our arms and our motherlands to our relatives from other nations. She is their mother, too. There can never be a ban on stolen land. No justice on stolen land We open up our arms to our relatives She is their mother too
1: She is their mother too we are calling for an end to bands and walls. We want to open our hearts and borders. We celebrate the living stories of perseverance. The great human struggle to survive. We are a country of refugees, of freedom fighters. No one is illegal. We have been in this clash. Hell, black folks are refugees from our American tyranny. As are the first people of this land, indigenous communities who have survived genocide and the banning of ritual stories carried across time we scream with hearts open to burst the barriers of propaganda we crash through rhetoric and thunder with drums of resistance we watch our children dance defiantly the struggle continues it is multi-layered and complex and yet it is simple we recall the 1951 un refugee convention no one can be banned based on their nation their religion we call on the laws of our land we call on the highest spirit of our people we call out this administration for what it is racist white supremacist wicked greedy gangsters in suits without concern for justice for humanity, for the breath of family, for the very water we need to survive. Water is life. For the pulse of what connects us all so we take to the streets we shut down terminal four we are waiting for those who have been detained we are here to let them know we are with you our chance are a bomb as children grandmothers scholars emerge from being detained dehumanized we shout we scream we say let them in we demand that compassion is showed for those fleeing war No father should have to abandon his 12-year-old daughter The brother who works at my local deli telling me his wife cannot join him. This has never been about security or safety. It is about the preservation of the elite. It is the insecurity and madness of capitalism. I'm in the streets chanting, no band, no wall. I'm surrounded by Muslims, Jews, atheists, students, elders, families, children. We are New Yorkers and we are fed up. We are celebrating. We are resisting. We are accumulating, congregating, amplifying our hearts, We are bursting into the streets We are sounding off We are sounding off
2: Talk to you, but can you hear me? No one is illegal. I feel like you've been bought by lies untrue. If they going be no one, you wanna put the wall and the fans up. No one is illegal and keep people out. What if that was you? If they gonna be no one, what if you could not hold your child now? No one is illegal and could not see your wife all family, illegal be no one, there are people on the run for their life, no one is illegal, illegal. and banned from family and safety, illegal be no one.